We are celebrating Christmas. We're in a series called We Saw His Star. It's talking about we saw Jesus, we saw him on the earth, and we're celebrating him this month. I'll pray and we'll get started with this. God, we thank you for today. We just thank you for this time to be together. We thank you for sending your son that first Christmas morning. And you just pray you'd speak to each of us. I don't know where we're at this season. God, we might be all over the map, far from you, close to you. We have hurts. But I pray you'd meet us with this message of Christmas. God, you'd fill us with hope. You'd fill us with your spirit. Help us just track with what you want to teach us today, what you want us to learn from you today, and have hearts that are ready to hear your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. When I meditate on the Christmas story there's a facet of God that always touches my heart, and it's the fact that Jesus was Emmanuel, or God with us. And we're going to go through one of the accounts of the birth of Jesus, the one in Matthew. But the focus is really just simple, that God, through Jesus, really did fulfill the prophecy of Emmanuel, God with us. And just the encouragement we can glean from that fact the encouragement of God being with us this season. So I want to read through Jesus' birth in Matthew 1 here, just as a framework. So we're going to read on the screen. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep, and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So the angel of the Lord had two names for Mary's baby that he revealed to Joseph. And the first one, do the next slide there, is that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And so verse 23 there really is the angel repeating a prophecy in Isaiah 7.14. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, And shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And in this passage, the angel speaks to Joseph and tells him a few things. And they all speak to the miraculous nature of Jesus, of this baby. One was that his betrothed wife was indeed impregnated by the Holy Spirit. In verses 18 and 19, we saw that Joseph was ready to send her away because he believed she had committed adultery by being pregnant. 
And so he was trying to be an honorable man and do it secretly and not have her embarrassed or stoned, but just send her away. And the angel reveals, no, this pregnancy is by the Holy Spirit. It's a fulfillment of this prophecy of Emmanuel. That behold, the virgin shall be with child. And we see that when Joseph awoke from his sleep after being visited, he believed God. And he kept her a virgin until after the birth of the Savior and married her. And so this fulfills the prophecy that when Emmanuel, when Jesus would come to earth, that he would be born of a virgin. And there's a second prophecy in Isaiah 7.14 that they would call him Emmanuel. Not just call this baby given by God or a blessing of God or blessed by God, but Emmanuel. Literally God with us. God in the flesh. Colossians 2.9 It's on the next slide there. It says, For in him all the fullness of deity dwells in bodily form. That God in all his power and all his majesty would dwell in bodily form in the person of Jesus Christ. That God would become a baby. There's a miracle right there. That the God who created the universe, the God that judges sin, the God that was worshipped in the tabernacle, the God of infinite riches and power, would pick a finite time in history to become a baby, to become a man, and take on flesh and be born of a sinful woman. Psalm 139.13 says, For you have formed my inward parts. You wove me together in my mother's womb. I share that verse because I was thinking about this, that Jesus and God literally formed Mary in her mother's womb and formed her and created her and saw her to be born and grown to a woman. And that Jesus would say, I'm going to go inside of her and be formed. It talks about the mysteries we don't understand. That's kind of a little like, which came first? Jesus created Mary, who then born Jesus. I, it's a little out there. But Jesus humbled himself to be born of a woman that he created. And it's miraculous that God was in bodily form. But it begs the question, why? Why did God come in bodily form? Why not just stay in heaven? We know in heaven he had perfect fellowship. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they were together from eternity past. In the beginning, they were there. Why come to the earth on this finite day? And to answer this, there's a second name that the angel reveals to Joseph for this baby besides Emmanuel. And there's a verse on the next slide there, Matthew one twenty one. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And Jesus means Jehovah is salvation, or Jehovah the Savior. And that's where his name came from. So not only is Jesus Emmanuel, or God with us, God in the flesh, but he had a purpose. He was fulfilling something, Jehovah the Savior. And that's why God came to be with us. Jesus came to save you from your sins. 
to save the whole world from sin. The world had a sin problem. Romans 3.23 All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. God gave us a holy standard to live by with the Ten Commandments. All the other commandments in the Old Testament said live up to these things. And we fell short of it. In Galatians 3.22 it says, But the scripture, or the law, has shut up everyone under sin. And in verse 19 it says, We know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed, and the whole world may become accountable to God. The law put the whole world under the curse of death, under sin. In Romans 6.23 it says, For the wages of sin is death. So we were all under the curse of sin, from Adam to the rest of us. And we all deserved death. And much of the Old Testament revolved around regulations for atoning for sin through the sacrifice of animals. You commit this sin, bring a dove. You commit this one, bring a sheep. The priest needs to get himself ready in this way to sacrifice it. And this is when to go do it. And this is how many to bring and how much to spend. And all those things because there had to be death to atone for sins through animals. And ultimately we've each sinned in a manner that no animal sacrificed can pay for it. The sacrifice to pay for it is eternal death, our death, and eternity in hell. And so enter Jesus, Jehovah the Savior, who came to the world to address our sin problem. I don't have enough hands. Okay, so there's a prophecy up there in Isaiah 53. There's another prophecy about Jesus, about the Savior, and how he would address this sin problem. It says, as a result of the anguish of his soul, he will see it and be satisfied. By his knowledge, the righteous one, my servant, will justify the many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will allot him a portion with the great. And he will divide the booty with the strong. Because he poured out himself to death. He was numbered with the transgressors. And yet he himself bore the sins of many. And interceded for the transgressors. He interceded for the transgressors. That's us. We were each on a collision course with an etern- to an eternity in hell, and God interceded. He did something about it. He stopped it. He stopped the path we were on and interceded in a way that only God could. And only God in the flesh could, in the person of Jesus Christ. And this was his purpose of coming. That was the plan. That was why he came. That was what was prophesied about. Something didn't go wrong that landed him on the cross. Isaiah said he came to justify the many by paying for their transgressions and bearing their iniquities. He would eventually go to the cross, inserting himself as the sacrifice of blood and death 
that our sins deserved. And it says in Isaiah there that God will be satisfied with the sacrifice. Sin will be paid for, all sin. It will be finished. Jesus came to the world to save the world from sin. And this Christmas, Jesus offers you the greatest Christmas present that anyone could offer you. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's just believing on that Christmas morning that Jesus was God in the flesh. That he was Emmanuel. That he came and he died on the cross for the salvation of many to pay for their iniquities. And like it says in Matthew 1, that he defeated death and he rose from the dead that first Easter. And if you simply tell God that you believe that and accept the gift of God for salvation that he offers for the penalty of your sins, you too can be saved. And there's a gift of salvation waiting for you this Christmas. It's wrapped up. It's ready to open. You have to make the choice, will you receive that gift? Will you open it? Or will you ignore it and scorn that gift that Jesus paid for, that Jesus came for as Emmanuel? There's one more aspect of Emmanuel I wanted to talk about this morning. We celebrate that God was with us that first Christmas morning. That he had 33 years of life on the earth. And that he went to the cross and died for our sins. But the reality is that God is with us this Christmas. When I prayed about what to talk about today or what God might want to speak to me through this season... It's a great comfort to me and my soul that God is with us this season. In John, Jesus talks about going away from us after he would rise from the dead and ascend to heaven. And we be in this age after that. John 14, 16 through 18, it says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. After a little while, the world will no longer see me But you will see me, because I live, you will live also. In that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. God in us, the Holy Spirit. He would not leave us alone as orphans when he left, but send the Spirit to be with us and in us. So when Jesus came to us, he was God with us physically as Emmanuel. The Holy Spirit is never described as Emmanuel, God with us. That was a specific prophecy. But 
He continued an age where God was with us, not just in heaven, but there would be Jesus in the flesh on the earth, and then the Holy Spirit would be with us until Jesus would return a second time. And when Jesus grants eternal life through his work on the cross, there's a work that he performs between us and God relationally. And the next verse up there is John 17.3. It says, This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you sent. We have an eternity in heaven, which was the work performed by Jesus. And when we come to receive the gift of eternal life, we also have relationship. We are able to know God. We'll be relationally connected to God. Through the Spirit living in us and talking in prayer to God, we have a connection. And to close, I just want to put a few truths of God to offer that might offer you hope this season of God being with us. It's things I've just been praying about this season to give us hope and encouragement through this time. I pray it blesses your heart. The first is that God is close to the brokenhearted. Psalm thirty-four, eighteen: The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And this is a promise that my family is holding on to this season. As a lot of you know, we lost our daughter Hazel over the summer. And we're still grieving and seeking God just for hope for the future and making it through this and praying that God would be close. And going through this season of Thanksgiving and Christmas has had a really different feeling in past years. Usually you just lead up to Christmas and it's anticipation, it's excitement, it's going around to see the Christmas lights. And it's the hope of the Savior, and it's celebrating that. But I've reflected more on this verse this year than I ever have in my life. That God would be near to us, that God would comfort us and be close. That He captures every tear in His bottle. And I know we're not the only ones that have lost someone. Even this year, there's two or three others in the church. I think there's such a flood of memories for each of us spending time with loved ones that we've lost or loved ones we never got to spend a Christmas with. And there's a wonderful focus this season that makes us thankful for the celebrations we'll get to share with family and thankful for the family members celebrating with Jesus. But I do want to offer you hope that God is close to you this season if you are grieving. If you are brokenhearted. And God's brought me and my family tremendous comfort just believing that verse and taking hold of it to say God is near to us. And God is near to you if you have any grief this season. Another one up there in John 15, Jesus spoke of the fruit of abiding in him, which was a number of things like bearing fruit for the gospel and having answered prayers, having the words of God being given to the Spirit, by the Spirit to us, which is all good stuff. But one thing I wanted to highlight is he says, by being abiding in God and having a Spirit, there's a joy in our life. 
John 15:11 says these things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Abiding in God and being filled with the spirit brings joy. God promises that we can have joy in our lives. And again, I'm just looking to God to bring his joy to my family this December to bring the joy of the Lord to bring a supernatural joy beyond circumstances and our circumstances, but a joy that only comes from the Holy Spirit being in our life. And I'm not trying, talking about tweaking up your cheek and having a fake smile on, but experiencing the joy of the Lord in our life. And this has been a prayer of mine, that we could experience that joy. I think in Nehemiah chapter 8, after they read the law and they're just crushed, by hearing the law and, and sorrow and weeping. And they're told, have joy for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Even in being in a position of being crushed, there is a truth that God's joy is our strength. And I'm trusting in that this season, that we can take hold of God giving us His joy beyond any hard circumstances going on in your life. And one more thing that offers hope is God's peace. Galatians 5.8 lists peace as one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit being in our life. And in John 16.33, which is up there, Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, so that in me you may have peace. In the world you have tribulation, but take courage. I have overcome the world. It seems elusive to have peace in this season. Amen? (laughs) I don't know if you're feeling that way. It seems completely inconducive to have peace and live through December sometimes. I have deadlines kind of looming at work that are like end-of-the-year things that need to be done. I have a personal calendar that's filling up fast of just where to fit everything in. There's always like Christmas shopping and planning and budgeting, which I haven't actually started. I haven't even had time to think about getting my Christmas lights up this year. I was heading out to more Thanksgivings, and all my neighbors had their lights up for Christmas. So I'm now officially a full holiday behind. I went to the doctor a couple months ago for something, and she was just going through a list of questions, and she was like, do you have any stress in your life? And it was an innocent question, just asking as it might be a factor for something. And I said, yes, I probably do have some stress. We talked about you've lost a child. It's been one of the most challenging years at work in the last decade. Just a lot of challenging situations going on for a while. And talked through some of those things. Her eyes got really big. I don't think she fully knew what she was walking into. So. She was like, are you getting counseling for that? (laughs) I'm just trying to avoid getting to one of those emails that's like, take a quiz and rate your stress because I might blow it up. We all might in December. We all have different things in our life. But during my crazy year, I'm just trusting that God's spirit can fill me with his peace. 
And I'm not just talking like take deep breaths or go for a walk outside or get a massage or get a babysitter for the night and go get a date. That doesn't bring peace. It's the Spirit of God at work in our lives and His fruit working in us that can bring a true peace of God in our lives. And so I just share with you, if you're struggling with any of these areas, or maybe other ones, but anything like anxiety or depression or brokenheartedness, know that if you have accepted Jesus, God is with you this Christmas season. The Spirit is at work in you, and He grants peace and joy and comfort and is close to you today. And if you're far from God, you kind of rolled in out of bed this morning and appreciate you walking in. I don't know where everyone's at. I'll be honest, I haven't met everyone in here. But you can ask God to reveal himself to you this season. I just ask you to consider even doing an Advent study and study what was... Jesus' visit to earth all about. Why are we still celebrating Christmas 2,000 years later? And you can ask somebody here or track down Greg or I and ask, how can I accept that gift of salvation? And as you unwrap your Christmas presents in a few weeks and it's actually Christmas morning, remember that there's a gift of God of salvation waiting for you. That He came to earth for a specific person or for a specific purpose, to bear the iniquities of the many, to bear your iniquities, and to offer salvation and hope this season. Let's pray. God, I thank you for today. We thank you that truly you did visit the earth and fulfill the prophecy of Emmanuel, that God would be with us, not just in heaven, but that you would come walk the earth and die for sin, and that, God, you are with us today by your Spirit, and you fill us. I do pray you would fill us with your hope and your peace and your joy this season. God, I pray we would be worshiping you. God, you're so worthy of our worship and the work you've accomplished for our eternity and the work you've accomplished to give us peace with God and relationship with God today. I pray you would be truly near to us this week and this Christmas. God, help us look to you. We pray you'd speak to each of us and help us be in the Spirit this season. In Jesus' name, amen.